Welcome back to History Plus True Crime Uncovered, a new podcast series all about historical stories, people, and places. Just a disclaimer, some content in this episode may be sensitive to some listeners. Discretion is advised for those under the age of 13. I am your host, Jamie Peters. On today's episode, I'm going to discuss another fascinating place, the story of the Tower of London, which was a mighty fortress, royal palace, and infamous prison. When William the Conqueror built a mighty stone tower at the center of his London fortress in the 1070s, defeated Londoners must have looked on in awe. Now nearly 1,000 years later, the tower still has the capacity to fascinate and horrify. As protector of the crown jewels, home of the Yaleman warders and its legendary guardians, the Pampered Ravens, the tower now attracts over 3 million visitors a year. Here, the ceremony of the keys and other traditions live on, as do the ghost stories and terrible tales of torture and execution. But the tower also has a richer and more complex history, having been home to a wide array of institutions, including the Royal Mint, the Royal Armories, and even a zoo. As the most secure castle in the land, the tower guarded royal possessions and even the royal family in times of war and rebellion. But for 500 years, monarchs also used the tower as a surprisingly luxurious palace. Throughout history, the tower has also been a visible symbol of awe and fear. Kings and queens imprisoned their rivals and enemies within its walls. The stories of prisoners, rich and poor, still haunt the tower. But let's start back at the beginning. William the Conqueror's Fortress In the 1070s, William the Conqueror, fresh from his victory but nervous of rebellion, began began to build a massive stone fortress in London to defend and proclaim his royal power. Nothing like it had ever been seen in England before. William intended his mighty castle keep not only to dominate the skyline, but also the hearts and minds of the defeated Londoners. The tower took around 20 years to build. Masons arrived from Normandy, bringing with them stone from Caen in France. Most of the actual labor was provided by Englishmen. Then the fortress expands. Throughout history, the tower has been adapted and developed to defend and control the nation. Henry III, and Edward expanded William's fortress, adding huge curtain defensive walls with a series of smaller towers and enlarging the moat. They also transformed the tower into England's largest and strongest concentric castle with one ring of defenses inside another. Inside, the medieval kings built magnificent royal lodgings. Throughout this episode, I'm going to have various sections that are kind of did you know kind of facts and here is the first one did you know that in 1240 henry iii had the tower's great keep painted white making it the white tower as it is known today the tower of strength kings and queens used the tower in times of trouble to protect protect their possessions and themselves arms and armor were made tested and stored here until the 1800s 
The tower also controlled the supply of the nation's money. All coins of the realm were made at the tower mint from the reign of Edward I until 1810. Kings and queens also locked away their valuables and jewels at the tower, and even today, the crown jewels are protected by a garrison of soldiers. And did you know that the tower's defenses failed once? During the Peasants' Revolt of 1381, rebels ran in through the open gates. Henry VI and the Wakefield Tower The Tower of London has also been the infamous setting for stories of royal tragedy and death. During the War of the Roses, Henry VI was murdered here in 1471, and later, the children of his great rival, King Edward, the princes in the tower vanished within its walls in 1483. In 1674, two skeletons were unearthed at the tower. The bones were re-examined in 1933 and proved to be those of two boys aged 12 and 10, exactly the same age as the princes when they disappeared. The Yaleman Warders at the Tower of London The famous Yaleman Warders, recognized as symbols of the tower all over the world, have been here for centuries. They were originally part of the Yaleman of the Guard, the monarch's personal bodyguard who traveled with them. Henry VIII decreed that some of them would stay and guard the tower permanently. Did you know that Henry VII's personal guards were the first beef eaters, so named as they were permitted to eat as much beef as they wanted from the king's table? The Ceremony of the Keys Today, the Yaleman warders, or the beef eaters, guard the visitors, but still carry out ceremonies ceremonial duties such as unlocking and locking the tower every day in the ceremony of the keys they wear their red state dress uniforms for important occasions at the tower and also for special events such as the firing of the huge cannon on the wharf known as the gun salutes i think most people don't realize but at one time the tower of london was not known for its horrible tragic history but was actually known as a royal residence so moving on to royal life and death medieval kings and queens lived in luxurious apartments at the tower they worshipped in the chapel royal kept a menagerie of exotic animals which lasted until the 19th century and welcomed foreign rulers at magnificent ceremonial occasions Although long since vanished, there was once a splendid royal palace to the south of the White Tower. Henry VIII modernized the rooms inside in preparation for the coronation of his new bride, Anne Boleyn, in 1533. She and the king feasted here in splendor the night before Anne processed in triumph through the city of London to Westminster Abbey. Three years later, Anne was back at the tower, but this time was accused of adultery and treason. She was held in the same luxurious lodgings before being executed by sword on Tower Green. Sent to the Tower For over 800 years, men and women have arrived at the tower, uncertain of their fate. Some stayed for only a few days, other others many years during the tudor age the tower became the most important state prison in the country anyone thought to be a threat to national security came here the future elizabeth the first 
Lady Jane Grey, Sir Walter Raleigh, and Guy Fawkes were all sent to the tower. Even in the 20th century, German spies were brought here and shot. This next part is interesting, and I think if you don't know the history of the Tower of London, um, or you haven't visited it, you may not know that there is actually a um, royal chapel on the grounds that um, people are buried beneath the pavement. So this section is on the Chapel Royal of St. Peter at Vincula. The chapel is perhaps best known as being the burial place of some of the most famous tower prisoners. These include three queens of England, Anne Boleyn, Catherine Howard, and Jane Grey, all of whom were executed within the tower in the 16th century. Two of Henry VIII's wives were accused of adultery and treason. Lady Jane Grey was an unfortunate pawn in a plot to replace Mary I and was executed for high treason in 1554, aged only 17. And did you know that after their execution, the headless bodies of the queens were buried quickly and carelessly under the chapel without any memorial? It wasn't until centuries later that there was memorial plates placed directly above where these queens were buried. And if you visit the chapel today, you can pay your respects to these famous people buried beneath the pavement. In 1876, when the chapel was restored, the remains unearthed in the chancel, including those of Anne Boleyn, were reburied beneath a marble pavement inscribed with their names and coat of arms. Now, there are many legends and ghosts in relation to the Tower of London. I mean, horrible deaths happened here, so anything is possible, right? The tower has been a visitor attraction since the 18th century, but numbers of tourists increased dramatically in the 1800s. Visitors were fascinated by the stories of England's turbulent and sometimes gruesome history. Stories of ghosts haunt the tower. Anne Boleyn is said to stalk the site of her execution on Tower Green. Arabella Stewart, the cousin of Elizabeth I, who starved while under arrest for marrying without royal permission, is said to frequent the Queen's house still. Two smaller ghosts are thought to be the princes in the tower, and the Yale men warders even tell a chilling tale of a huge bear who occasionally appears to frighten visitors to death. The Tower Ravens One of the most famous legends of the tower surrounds the ravens. The story goes that should the ravens leave the tower, both it and the kingdom will fall. The ravens at the tower today are cared for by a dedicated Yale men warder known as the Raven Master. But did you know that these highly intelligent birds have one flight feather trimmed to stop them from flying away? The Tower Today The Tower of London is still one of the world's most leading tourist attractions and a world heritage site attracting visitors from all over the world. And when the gates are locked and all of the visitors have gone, the tower embraces a thriving community within its walls. The Tower of London is still home to the Yale men warders and their families, the resident governor, and a garrison of soldiers. There is a doctor and a champlain, and even a pub. 
One last thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to the Tower of London is the Tower of London execution site. This is where several notable uh, members of society uh, were executed, but the site where the memorial is is not actually where the scaffold was built for the executions. Execution inside the tower was a privilege reserved for those of high rank or for those who had dangerously strong popular support to keep them away from the grappling crowds. Ten people were beheaded on Tower Green, which stretches to the west of the White Tower. The beheaded queens, the most well-known among those executed on or near Tower Green, were the three former queens of England. Two of those queens were wives of Henry VIII as I previously discussed. First, Anne Boleyn, the second wife of Henry VIII, was in her early 30s, and Catherine Howard, Henry's fifth wife, was barely in her 20s. Both were accused of adultery, but neither may have been guilty. Although it is possible that Anne Boleyn was innocent and Catherine Howard was not in a way that she did not divulge her previous sexual history prior to marriage and may have had an affair during the marriage. The third queen to meet her end with the tower was Lady Jane Grey. She was on the throne for just nine days and was the innocent pawn in a failed military coup by her father-in-law, the Duke of Northumberland. Expert and Blundering Executions Anne Boleyn was ex executed by the clean stroke of an expert swordsman shipped in from France, especially for the occasion. On the day of her execution, she inquired, quote, I heard say the executioner was very good and I have a little neck, end quote. By contrast, Margaret Pohl, who was another victim of the axe, was said to have been much less lucky in her final moments. A blundering executioner was said to have hacked her head and shoulders to pieces. I would have to say Margaret Pohl, um, who was actually the, uh, I think it was the aunt or the cousin of Henry VIII. Anyway, they were related. Um, she was executed during Henry VIII's reign for treason, um, basically for harboring her son. Um, and I would have to say her execution was probably the worst in contrast of any of the executions done. I mean, being killed by an axe was not a, a, a good death. Um, you know, it, it took multiple strokes. Um, so, and you would be feeling this while it's going on. They would be very painful. Um, so when they talk about Anne Boleyn's death and um, a swordsman from France, um, from Calais, actually, um, a sword was a much quicker death because it would just take one stroke and and you were gone. Um, but with an axe, it was just it was not like that. It was very, you know, bloody, very painful not a not a good way to die and finally the execution site memorial today it is technically at the very site of those executions on tower green there's a memorial sculpture um that's around 
um, encasement with a, a crystal uh, pillow on top. Um, and inscribed is gentle visitor pause a while where you stand death cut away the light of many days here jeweled names were broken from the vivid thread of life may they rest in peace while we walk the generations around their strife and courage under their restless skies of many of the notable names that died at the scaffolding site on the tower of london are William Lord Hastings, whose nat has, excuse me, whose hasty execution without trial on the orders of Richard III was conducted on a block of wood. Then, as previously stated, there was Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard. Jane Boleyn, who was the sister-in-law of Anne Boleyn, she was by Countess Rochford, the former Countess of Salis Salisbury. The last of the Plantagenets was beheaded in the reign of Henry VIII, which we just went over. The tragic teenage Lady Jane Grey, who was Queen of England for nine days and was executed on orders of her cousin Mary I and Robert Devereux, second Earl of Ex Essex, who led a rebellion against Elizabeth I. Another notable person that is buried beneath the pavement and was beheaded on Tower Green was Anne Boleyn's brother, George Boleyn. And then I'm going to talk about the actual location of the execution site on Tower Green. Many people think that the present-day glass memorial on Tower Green marks the scaffold site and it is a shame that people are misled in this way and that they leave the Tower of London without standing on the true spot. Anne Boleyn fans would want to stand on the spot and pause a while and many end up standing in the wrong place. During the winter and spring of 1876 and 1877, restoration work was carried out in the chapel of St. Peter and Vicula the Tower of London Chapel, um, as I previously stated earlier in this episode. Um, this was during the Victorian era, which is when, um, you know, people wanted to preserve sacred spaces. And it was at this time that it was decided to erect a memorial tablet listing those who were buried in the chapel. On the wall near the entrance door and a few years earlier, a memorial plaque had been placed on a railed off area of Tower Green to in memory of those who had met their deaths there. On September 4, 2006, a new memorial was unveiled on Tower era when they wanted to pre preserve sacred spaces. On September 4, 2006, a new memorial was unveiled on Tower Green. This new memorial, the one visitors will see today, was designed by British artist Brian Catling and aimed to provide visitors with a focal point for remembrance and reflection. It features two engraved glass circles listing those in executed on the Tower Green with a sculpted glass pillow as the focal point in the center as previously stated. Brian Catlin explained, quote, I wanted to make people walk around the piece before people would come and stand in front of the small plaque that used to be here. They just stood and didn't know what to do, so I thought, let's give them something to do. 
they now have to walk around it to read the poem they have to engage with it and i do think it is a more fitting memorial than a simple plaque which is easy to miss and on the 19th of may the anniversary of Boleyn's execution people leave flowers on it as well as in the chapel however the memorial does not mark the site of the scaffold used for Anne Boleyn, Catherine Howard, and Lady Jane Grey, and neither does it mark the site of the scaffold used for the likes of Thomas More, Thomas Cromwell, and George Boleyn. That site is on Tower Hill and is marked by plaques listing the names of those executed there. The true scaffold site what we have to remember is that the Tower of London in 1536 was very different to the present day tower. In 1536, the building known today as the Queen's House did not exist. Note, this was not where Anne Boleyn was imprisoned as this building was not built until around 1540. Anne was imprisoned in the Queen's Lodgings Mark G on a 1597 Tower of London plan that you can find easily online of the royal palace which is no longer standing and neither did the waterloo block formerly the waterloo barracks the bu building which houses the crown jewels which was built in the mid 19th century if you look on the 1597 plan of the tower you can see that tower green used to stretch right around from the chapel marked d on the map to the north of the white tower marked e and it is on the present day graveling parade ground between the white tower and the waterloo block that anne boleyn met her death among many others so if you want to pay your respects to the real execution site of where people died you would want to take a look at the tower of london plan um which is actually found on the local website um, hrp.org.uk slash resources tower of london you will notice that there is a red circle near the number 40 which is labeled entrance to the crown of jewels that is where you need to go stand between the white tower and the entrance to the waterloo block slash crown jewels and you will be standing right where Anne Boleyn was executed if you look on the above photo um which uh is a photo that i found which is um the parade grounds basically stretches between two towers and that is the exact location of the scaffold um so it's you know just knowing that that's where it was is slightly eerie um you know where the um the memorial is 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 not the execution site And then if you were to happen to be where the present day glass memorial is, you would be able to see the Waterloo block on the left and the white tower with burials and a scaffold around it, if there was a scaffold on the right and people walking between the two. Um, in the picture, the people walking where the scaffold site was located, um, you know you you can see and i would imagine if somebody was in that part of the tower they would also be able to see people being executed on the scaffold which is kind of creepy i also want to take the time to cite a source um in relation to the memorial versus the actual execution site on tower green we know from primary sources that carpenters worked through the night of the 17th of May 
1536, Building a New Scaffolding, Before the House of Ordinance, The Leal Letters, Volume 3, 698, John Husey to Lord Leal on May 19, 1536, quote, And Anne, the late queen, suffered with sword this day within the tower upon a new scaffold, end quote. Also, Eric Ives, 2004, The Life and Death of Anne Boleyn, page 423, note 1, quote, she was beheaded on a new scaffold before the House of Ordinance, i.e. on what is now the parade ground north of the White Tower, end quote, citing Anthony and Herbert Henry VIII, 1679, facing page 385. Also, The Life and Death of Anne Boleyn by Eric Ives, I actually own this book um, and it is a really good read if you are interested in the life of Anne Boleyn and what caused her downfall um, and all of that like if you're just interested maybe you don't know anything about her and you want to learn about her that's a great book or maybe you've researched things about her in a period of years uh, but it's it's a great book I have several different books um, another good one um that i would recommend is by the the honorable hillary mantle who actually just passed away in 2020 um her book uh entitled bring up the bodies goes into detail about um the executions of Anne Boleyn, her family members, Thomas Cromwell, all of those. Um, it's it's a wonderful read, so I would recommend those as well. But if you're more interested in finding out lots more about the Tower of London, you can feel free to go to their website and you will find many, many facts. Um, if you are planning a trip to London, I would highly suggest visiting the tower and that's it for today's episode i thank you for joining me uh as always uh leave comments uh reviews are great as well kind of lets me know um how i'm doing and how you're enjoying the episodes and also leave a comment to um request future episodes or shoot me a message I would love to hear it. Have a great day. Until next time.